0: Hello and welcome to Elevate to Success. Discussions on project management and leadership ideas. Tips and techniques of being a project manager, agile practitioner, or a leader in your organization. Each week I will have something new for you. I'll have discussions with guests on a number of topics that you can use immediately or stuff that's keeping you up at night. So let's go! Okay, in this episode we're going to touch on experiences and opinions with minority women in the nonprofit sector. And today I have with me our guest is Susan Organis. She's been in the nonprofit world for many, many years now. Hey, so Sue, can you give me uh, or give to our listeners a little of yourself?
1: Hi, Lloyd. Um, Yes, I have been working in the nonprofit sector since 1994, shortly after I graduated from UCLA. I have a BA in English from UCLA, and I find that a BA in humanities has definitely served me well in the nonprofit world. You wear many hats. Um, I actually started out as an administrative assistant for Boys and Girls Clubs um, in 94, and I worked my way up um, from admin assistant through um, development, fundraising, grant writing, and eventually went into marketing and development. Um, I decided I wanted a break, I wanted to go to graduate school, so um, I took a year off and earned my degree in, master's in education, actually, from um, Harvard Ed School. And shortly after that, I sort of fine-tuned my direction and started working in um, uh, preschools, first as a teacher, and then eventually as a director, and now an executive director.
0: Okay, so, so how did you figure out what you wanted to do?
1: Well, you know, the beauty of starting out as an administrative assistant was that I had my hands in almost everything and I had a great boss, Norm Martin, um, who allowed me to do, you know, explore mostly anything I wanted. You know, with my degree, I had great writing skills. And so what really helped me define my direction was that um, I started writing grants and we started earning money for um, the building that we were in. So I really knew nothing about it initially, but because of my writing skills, I was able to, you know, really help that organization at the time. So um, when you have a great boss that's pretty open to letting you explore different avenues, it's great to start out as a generalist, I think I might have hesitated um, embracing a job immediately because I wanted a job that, you know, was in par with my degree. But it was actually a blessing in disguise um, taking this so that I I was able to explore different things. So
0: you you talked about grants. Yes. And I know that grants, doing grants is a lot of work and a lot of research, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So would you recommend someone that's Either starting off and trying to start off a nonprofit, or already in uh, the nonprofit sector to start exploring to writing grants.
1: You know there is a lot of money to be had through foundations. I absolutely recommend that um, if you're starting a nonprofit, that you look into what foundations are out there um, and what they fund. There are um, definitely nonprofits. I, I'm sure you'll find a nonprofit that would fund your cause. Um, people who leave money and request money to um, different causes, you know, they're really passionate about very specific things. And you'd be surprised what you find out there. So that's really what happened when I was at Boys and Girls Club. We had a need to fix our roof, we wanted to remodel uh, an area of the club. And I was able to find grant money specifically to fix our roof and specifically to you know, um, expand our teen centers. So I was pretty amazed at what was out there.
0: So you took actually the initiative from your outside duties to go and say, okay, I'm trying to get money for my organization.
1: Yes, I did. I mean, you know, I was young. I was a young, aspiring, you know, just graduated college student. And I had a boss that gave me that freedom that said, hey, look, these are our needs, Um, you know, do some research. And so I did that and I discovered hundreds and thousands of dollars for us. And so, you know, I, you know, through that, I built trust with him and he created a position for me. So. Um, that I could continue to be successful personally in my own career as well as for the um, organization. Okay, so
0: Sue, you know after the Boys and Girls Club and mm-hmm. you got a good experience over there, um, you know what happened next?
1: Well, I had done I had I was pretty successful at finding grant money and um, you know, developing their special events. And I was I felt like I wanted to go back and get my advanced degree. So I chose a master's in education, and I ended up going to Harvard, the the Harvard School of Education. And I knew that that degree would open up many doors, and it did. So while I was at Harvard, I chose an internship there in early childhood. And in my career, I, I sort of planned what my next move would be. And um, whenever I thought I needed new doors opened, I would pursue work. So a lot of my peers were pursuing master degrees and I, I myself was very curious about it. Um, I hesitated because There weren't many people in my family with a master's degree so I thought I had to really like get a lot of experience behind me and I had that you know I was successful in my marketing career I had like developed the special events at my organization and you know maxed out the number of participants raised a lot of money I actually really enjoyed working with the zero to five age group so I received an individualized master's degree at Harvard and I also um, fulfilled a practicum there at a preschool, and that solidified, you know, the next step I would be making after earning my degree.
0: Getting back to the, the grant run, perhaps um, in the future, we can probably do an episode on how to write grants and, you know, what grants to look for. What do you think about that?
1: Sure, th- that'd be great.
0: Okay. As a female executive director during an organization, do you find it difficult to communicate with board members? Or is it, does it come a lot easier?
1: Well, um, the fields I've been in, um, fundraising and early childhood, were predominantly female. So, you know, one of the diversity comes from what our roles are in terms of, like, a, there's a diversity of people coming from different careers. So actually that has been advantageous for me because currently uh, where I work, the board members are, like, faculty and staff at, at, at Stanford University. They're like the brightest minds on the planet. And I think, if anything, I feel a little insecure about that. So that's a little bit more personal. But, you know, when that's out of the way, I mean, it's amazing to work with these people that just have amazing minds. and. Actually, I'm very fortunate to have a board that is very humble and we get so much work done because you know they're focused on the mission of the organization and we, our success rate is so much faster than if you had a board that was difficult and that didn't see eye to eye with you. Um, so I've been really fortunate to have great boards that are diverse and being a product of the Bay Area myself, I'm I'm used to diversity. I, you know, I welcome it, and I feel out of place without it. So
0: you talk about diversity. You know, I believe, yes. in, in my opinion, I believe that board members should be a well diverse group of mm-hmm. individuals mm-hmm. to kind of promote um, a good balance of their culture, yes. Uh, yes. some of the values, the morals, the the characters, and some of their leadership experiences as well too. So mm-hmm. do you think that that would be a good thing for a non a new, say a new nonprofit organization to consider board, you know, to have a good, diverse uh, organization?
1: Absolutely. I mean, with diversity, ultimately, you want to get to a place where, you, you know, you're, it's, you're harmonizing and you have diverse perspectives. You don't often hear that diversity initially causes discomfort. When you have people that haven't dealt with diversity before, you know, there's, there's a learning curve. So you know, like when you, whenever you put diverse group of people together, you might have some, you know, it might be a bumpy beginning, and that's okay. That's that's part of you know starting out in a new group with diverse people. But I think that if you persevere and give it time, and you know, be open to different ways of communicating, then you will definitely net something, you know, at the end. It's definitely an investment.
0: Okay, so Sue, what do you think are the, or do you feel that what are the qualities? one should have um, to move up in leadership position mm-hmm. in a nonprofit organization.
1: So you definitely have to have passion for the cause that you're representing. Um, like for example, with me I knew I wanted to work with youth outside of the K through twelve system. So that got me into youth development at boys and girls clubs. And then I even focused my um, work more so on young children, zero to five. So that led me to working in preschools. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges that you might experience as you move up in your in your role. But if you keep your eye on your mission, that will help you, you know, endure the challenges that come. Secondly, I would say you have to be definitely open to learning. I definitely explored different roles in the organization and I wore many hats, you know, different from a corporation and nonprofits, you end up um Um, taking on many roles Um, so you have to be able to juggle a lot of different things and and apply different skills that you have and then secondly you have to be I think emotional intelligence really helps you deal with a lot of different types of people like in my work currently I work with teachers I work with children and I work with parents and so that's you know very different engagement with all of those three communities
0: All right, so Sue, I'm going to jump into a sensitive area here, but again, you know, we're here to share some opinions and perspectives. So for minority women, do you feel that there is a face of uh, racial or gender barriers uh, and biases for nonprofit advancement?
1: I am definitely aware of those barriers. I've been really fortunate, though, to work for organizations that are very diverse and have had years of, you know, serving a diverse population. Boys and Girls Club serves all neighborhoods in Sam- in across the US and at Stanford University we have families and students from all over the world. So personally I have not had that, you know, challenge. You know, as I was moving up in the world, I did f- or in my career, um I did experience some some of those challenges. For example, like dealing with different cultures and being able to communicate with them. I'm actually born and raised in San Francisco, but my background, I'm my family's from the Philippines. And so I just find that sometimes I'm like out of the like a subgroup because I don't communicate similarly in the same way, but but I think that's part of learning too. It's it's adjusting yourself so that you're able to communicate with different people from different backgrounds, adjusting your style and, you know, learning, for example, how people like to be appreciated or how they like to deal with conflict. You know, even though personally you have your way as an executive, you have to learn what works for other people in order to be effective.
0: So do you feel that you have to work much harder or is it more just like you said, it's something that from the experiences that you gathered and working with a diverse group of individuals and also leaders in the organization that there may not be a barrier i'm you know just i'm throwing out the question yeah because yeah. there yes there, there yes. may be individuals and there may be listeners out there that are experienced this kind of uh situation mm-hmm. and you know they would like to get some at least some type of mm-hmm. hint mm-hmm. or or tip what they can do to say okay
1: you know, I, I definitely believe it's real and out of respect for those that that work in those environments or live in those environments. I, I don't want belittle, to belittle the fact that it, it exists. I'm in unique work where it's dominated by women. So because of that, I haven't had like gender challenges. I mean, there's so many women in fundraising. Predominantly women in early childhood. For that reason, I have not, you know, experienced like gender bias. If anything, I sympathize with men in the field that that they experience, you know, um, presumptions about being in early childhood because it because it is a female dominated field. And I actually really support the men in my current and past organizations because I think it's really important for children to have male educators um, at a young age. They actually really um, gravitate toward our male volunteers or male teachers because we don't have a lot of men around preschools. So I hope um, I'm actually a solution to some of that bias in in the workplace.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, so if you had a room of college students, Mm -hmm. what advice would you tell them about being a leader in a nonprofit organization? You know, what suggestions would you add to move them in that direction?
1: Well, firstly, in terms of my credentials, I hesitated pursuing a master's degree because I thought I had to have all this experience and this resume that was developed in order to get into graduate school. But even with my peers applying for a master's degree right away, I still felt within myself that I had to like have all this experience before I applied. And that's not true. I mean, sure, one to two years of experience is great to help you figure out what your focus will be, but I would have applied sooner had I realized it was just myself holding me back. Also don't hesitate to take a job that feels like you're beginning at at the bottom because with my experience I was really able to explore a lot of different areas of work and that was really important that I had a boss that allowed me that freedom to try different things. Um, because you don't want to commit to a, um, a specified job or role right away when you're not sure. The second thing I would say is don't hesitate to t- take an administrative role at a nonprofit organization. I think it was really important for me to be able to explore, you know, marketing, um, directing the club, um, running programs, um, or fundraising, or even like budgeting and finance because then it helped me, one, to set a foundation for experience as being an executive director, but also to um, explore the different areas that I wanted to pursue. Had I not had that opportunity, I would not have been sure which paths I was going to take.
0: Okay, finance and accounting and legal requirements is, to me, is a a major skill set required when you become Mm -hmm. an executive director. Yes, that's right. Would someone have to take a course Or, or is that something that could be learned on the job
1: yes yes well interestingly enough I did take a course while I was pursuing my master's degree and you know just like anything that you're learning for the first time you have to hear something over and over again but really the core of what I've learned has been practicing and being on the job but I was very upfront whenever I interviewed that you know these were areas where I needed support so, so for example, in finance and budgeting, I don't have a degree in that, but I was very clear that, that those were areas that I needed support in. And because I was upfront from the very beginning, we made sure that we had board of directors that had that expertise. And that has been really the key to, you know, making sure that we were fiscally responsible. And, you know, I've definitely learned a lot from them over the years. It definitely has been a partnership um, with the board of directors that has been indispensable.
0: Yeah, and I know that reporting and auditing is is, tends to be an important thing every year for the nonprofit organization. So, as an executive director, you and staff need to be kind of on top of those type type Mm -hmm, of things, mm -hmm. types of um, funding and types of pledges Mm -hmm. that come into the organization. Mm -hmm. In regards to board members, you know, what challenges have you faced, present and, and the past? Uh, with working with board members, because I, for me, I know I've worked with a couple of nonprofits in the past, and I've been a board member, and I noticed that in uh, the individuals that come into a board, you know, there's kind of three groups. Again, there may be four groups, but for me, there was uh, three groups. One was the worker bees, the ones that were, you know, they're always helping, they wanted to do things with the groups and the staff, and they're just there just to help the organization. And then you got your resume builders, you know, want to get their names on an organization, so they can build their resumes, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have your action the action board members, which um, are very passionate. They're willing to donate money. They're willing mm-hmm. to get money. They're willing to almost be like a staff member for you. So have you have you had those type of experiences in the past?
1: Well, hmm, that's a sensitive question. Um, of course, we're always grateful that they volunteer. But I, I did have... An executive board member that, like um, he or she, was supposed to return as um, an officer of the board the next year, and a mentor had advised me instead of telling them directly, which was my style, that that it was no longer a, a good fit. He advised that I try asking the right questions, and I did. I asked this person like a series of questions that helped them think about whether or not they wanted to be on the board the next year I was actually grateful and amazed at how that worked this person actually talked themselves into not continuing the year after and so what a relief it was because you know that board member was still a parent next year with their children still at my center but I helped them figure it out themselves that it was not a good fit so the board members that might, you know, are not clear on their roles and, and want to be staff or even do my job, it's important that you have board members who understand what the role is and that they emphasize why they're there. In the case where, you know, they're your governing board, it's it's awkward and, and it feels odd. But, like, if you have an executive board that, or if you have board members that understand their role and they reiterate what their role is I think it's a respectful way of letting them know that you know this is not your purview you know it's really important with new board members to meet them one-on-one initially and you know to make a connection Um, and then also to have your retreat early and upfront when you're welcoming new board members that was a mistake of mine you know we're Conducting our board retreat, like, a couple months after we had a few board meetings. So then, you know, there was a disconnect, you know. So I'm, I'm learning, you learn even long after you've been in the role that there are just different things that you can adjust to make things go smoother.
0: Okay, so, you know, this comes to... Uh you know, coming to the end of our episode, so I ask, I want to ask you one more other question is what suggestions would you say to someone that's um, working their way towards the executive director's position?
1: Hmm. Well, leadership is very individualized. I think with my style, I'm very collaborative. You know, I like integrating the ideas of all my constituents, my teachers, my staff, my parents, my board. So we uh, make a lot of decisions after, you know, having a lot of discussions and conversations because um, I really want to be informed and have buy-in when any, with any of the decisions that we make for our, our organization. I want people to believe that we've made a decision together and that they've been heard. So, I mean, that's, I don't necessarily find that that's a common style. Like, I don't, I'm not a top-down um, but it's interesting that once you define who you are as a leader, you'll find that organization. The organization I'm with now it's amazing like how collaborative we are, and they were actually looking for a person who is collaborative because we're a fifty year old organization it's already established, and it had you know strengths that I definitely believed in and want to preserve but we also being 50 year, year, years old there's new things to integrate into our culture and who we are so um, I think once you figure out who you are as a leader and what kind of organization you want to run and what your style is that will help you find the right organization
0: all right so so this concludes this episode and uh, you know I want to say thank you to Susan for jumping on this podcast I know it was last minute but uh thank you again
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So let's go. Let's go get a cup of coffee and some bagels, Sue.
1: Sounds great.
0: All righty. This is Elevate to Success. Your host, Lloyd Phillip B. with Infinity Bold. For more information on how we can help you with your project management, coaching, as well as mentoring, you can go to my website at www.infinitybold.com and send me an email. Please share this podcast and also tell a friend about us. Until then, keep it real.